0: now okay hello and welcome to another episode of throwdown an action cinema podcast where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema i'm one of your hosts jack and i'm joined as always by my good friend vaughn how are we doing today vaughn i'm doing great jack it's good to be back we took a, a little bit of a, a break there yeah a couple weeks off just you know recover recoup get ourselves together again watch some more movies in the meantime um this is all a nice way of saying that jack had some scheduling issues and now we're going to talk about some movies that we watched several weeks ago but hopefully (laughs) my notes can do us justice (laughs) that's what i'm hoping as well i think we'll i think we'll get through it what do we got today the film we're talking about today is Death Trance from 2005, directed by Yuji Shimamura. Are you familiar with Shimamura apart from apart from the film that you you watched for this episode today? No, I'm not. I have
1: I kind of passively aware of some of his other stuff, but I have not seen mm-hmm. any of it. So this was my introduction to his his work.
0: Yeah, because I first heard of him because he was the action director or the coordinator on versus the Kitamura sort of zombie movie from uh, the yeah, early 2000s okay. which is just absolutely wild sort of blend of like gunfight zombie wuxia, martial arts stuff which is very telling of the sort of stuff that um, Shimamura would go on to make himself because uh, death trance very much sort of like collides all of those things together but his other movies that I've seen, because he's only he's only ever directed three movies, and I'm, I'm unsure why that is, but Death Trance from 2005. Then we have Reborn from 2016, which is a very hard-hitting sort of covert soldier um, possessed by some sort of beast, and like, oh, okay. he's going full cool. hit, Hitman mode in that one. Um, and then the other movie from 2020 which i wrote a piece about on letterboxd is called crazy samurai musashi and that's the gimmick movie where it's one versus one man versus like 400 other swordsmen and it's all done in one long take oh okay i have um, heard of that one i didn't realize it was a, a one take I th- yeah it's it's a one take and uh, like detrimental to the whole sort of experience uh, okay. i feel like we've seen a lot of one-take sort of cinema over the past 10 years or so. Like, those recent Scott Adkins one shot and one more shot, I think, are how you do that fake long one shot well. Um, Crazy Samurai Musashi has just, like, kind of just... It just fades the pace of it all. Like, you don't really get kept up in the momentum of things because it is basically one man taking down 400 other swordsmen and there are moments of just, like okay we're just waiting for the next guy to attack and take his turn very video gamey very samey i I quite liked it as an experience just because there are parts where you're actually quite bored and reflecting (laughs) on the action um but it's an interesting experience nonetheless but today i wanted to bring death trance to the table just because this is the one that stuck with me the most out of his filmography okay it's the one with the the most sort of stuff and thematic things in it and do they blend all together seamlessly Mm is the narrative a little muddled and muddy yes but what did you think of death trance
1: i thought it was pretty good so i mean i definitely that makes a lot of sense that he worked on verses because i saw a mm-hmm. lot of that in in this movie and versus i like but it is mm-hmm. it feels like it's four hours long um, yes and there's a lot of great stuff in that but it definitely is, is a little bit overdone and you get tired of the the shtick that it's Mm -hmm. got by the end um this is a little shorter it's a little bit more compressed and it's got that that kind of you i believe you told me that it
0: is based on a manga correct because it definitely yes, feels it that is way. Yes, it's based yeah. on a manga. I, I, I tried to hunt down a copy my library didn't have it. And I couldn't really access a copy of it for this. But it, it sounds interesting. I mean, the premise itself seems yeah. very sort of manga related. And it's probably expanded on and told in a better form in the pages of the manga. Whereas here it can be quite confusing and muddled the visual storytelling isn't yeah. quite what you need it to be for this sort of like fantasy epic tale of a a cursed grave and grave robbers and all sorts of going on in in, in the woods there so to condense that down to a 19 minute movie right. I feel like you are going to f- you are the end product is going to feel a, a little bit daunting in in some regards but yeah it's based on a manga that I did not get a chance to read Yeah, I feel like
1: watching it, it felt like kind of a cross between Versus and the Takashi Miike movie, Blade of the Immortal, which is also based Mm. on a manga. So you kind of, you definitely get that very um, kind of exaggerated comic book style and you you get giant swords and this kind of grand bombastic characterization of all these characters. They get cool entrances and they've got very exaggerated styling and it's very cool. I think the... What worked for for me the most was that that visual world building of all of it. Like you definitely get that that sense that this is a a lived in universe and world that they've got everything going on in. I think what bogs it down is a lot of the the exposition and the kind of characters
0: having to explain what's going on in the world that I didn't need as much. Because I've seen this movie twice now, and I can't fully explain what it really is. Like what the actual it's narrative at the yeah. core is there are moments of just as you say like massive expository dumps where names are being thrown around myths and legends are being thrown around and it's never quite solidified in like concrete as to what and who and where but you get the general idea of the the mission at hand there is like this cursed um grave that needs moving people are after this grave this coffin containing a powerful sword a- and confusingly enough the main character is named grave so i'm going to keep yeah. referring to grave <laughs> when i mean coffin but grave is the the very much the final fantasy man with the huge sword um and uh yeah as you say the production design is, is really good and i think the movie thrives most when it's just embedded in that sort of mystical woods scenario that that yeah. setting and having different sort of areas of combat take place throughout there. Yeah, I definitely
1: had trouble tracking the specifics of the narrative. I think it even gets kind of lost in, like, who is, and I'm sure that's intentional to a degree, but it gets lost in kind of who is the good guy, really. Like, Mm -hmm. you've got these kind of two main protagonists, and you can never quite figure out, like, who you're supposed to be rooting for. Um, You've got, and it kind of introduces these kind of, this kind of, mysterious like angel of death character and this apocalyptic idea that the result of bringing this coffin to the uh the place where you're supposed to get kind of your wishes granted will just result in the destruction of the world and you're not sure if you're supposed to be with this guy or if you want him to be stopped and mm-hmm. but you're kind of like I'm just going to ride with it cuz
0: it That's looks cool it gets kind of bogged down in those those semantics there, where it feels more like Tarkovsky's stalker than it does like a pulpy <laughs> whoosher yeah. sort of swordplay movie. But the the amount of sort of tools in the director's arsenal in terms of what he brings to the table with fight choreography and just sort of like ludicrous, bombastic gunplay sequences, motorbike yeah. sequences, very much throws everything at the wall. So when you are muddling around in the narrative that can get a bit confusing you have these awesome like well executed set pieces to sort of um lose yourself in and i'm I'm looking at my notes which of
1: course yeah i wrote several weeks ago now so i'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember where i i got all these notes from but i i do have a note that the um that yuji shimamura also was the the action director on alien vs. ninja i've got that great, as well a very fun movie um like kind of this series of micro budget alien film alien
0: ninja films that this director did um that are very strange but very fun yes that um alien versus ninja is a Yeah, you have to take it with a pinch of salt just because it is working in that low-budget register. But there is some awesome sort of wire work and, and flipping sequences. And the, the alien costume isn't too bad either. I also noted that um, as well as directing movies, he's he's a big guy in the the video game world. Working oh, okay. in like designing action pieces and directing like cinematics for games like uh, Devil May Cry. Um, oh, that like makes a lot se- of sense. A series I have absolutely nothing, no knowledge about. Have you ever you ever played <laughs> The Devil May Cries? Does the Devil Cry? I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about those games either. I just kind of
1: have seen seeing gameplay of them and knowing kind of what they are, I think that makes a lot of sense. That definitely mm-hmm. tracks if he's doing the kind of action direction for that kind of thing. Uh, but no i don't have first
0: hand experience with those games no i'm i'm sure some of our listeners are s- screaming at their podcast devices <laughs> now trying to law dump on why we should be playing the devil may cry games but no i i, I was just rooting around his his listings his uh his credits online and found that and thought yeah i mean these 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 movies especially death trance are so far-fetched in their action ideas the like the sort of creative yeah. angles of things that it makes sense that it bleeds into like cinematic video game territory where you've got a large animated sandbox and you can kind of do anything and in. I'm going to make a huge assumption and say the Devil May Cry games are like these fantastical uh, like melding pots of of influences and uh, things. I don't know. I have no justification to back that up, but I'm going to assume that that tracks. I'm going to agree with you. I think that's correct. <laughs> I think we are now um, on the, the world's most acclaimed Devil May Cry <laughs> fan cast. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in this in terms of the arsenal. Uh, There's bazookas, there's guns, there's swords, there are swords that are also guns, possibly guns that are also swords. Um, A lot of wire work, which looks really, really good alongside the gunshot stuff, especially in that dwelling forest where they're able to move through it with these these well-lit and foggy sort of environments to back up the action. Yeah, and you
1: get sort of a lot of these kind of flowy costume design too, which works really well with that kind of wuxia action and mm-hmm. it kind of blends with the, the cartoonish style really well where you've got people flying through the trees and, and around these really really cool landscapes. I like the, the set design and stuff a lot um, because it gets a lot out of... Where I think Versus kind of fails in that you're in the woods and it just is the same woods and never really. kind of just stay there, don't you? It feels yeah. very samey, but this, even though this is also similarly like a lot of kind of woods and desolate landscapes, mm-hmm. it does shift it up enough that it never really gets old or, or samey like that.
0: Yeah, it keeps bringing in new ideas. And I, I mean, it doesn't really like, announce its new ideas either, it just takes them as red. Yeah. So when the motorbikes show up in the forest, you're like, oh, this world. Sure. Is a world. <laughs> with motorbikes it's not like an old um classic chinese wuxia novel that's right. been translated to the screen that's where you definitely get the manga uh influence from because that's definitely going yeah. to be a world that is like this cyberpunk dystopian future where it's actually the past we have new and old technology but we're using the magic ways of wuxia and classic swordplay okay sure why not which I think is great, because, like, even the design of the, the
1: motorbikes they bring in feels kind of, like, otherworldly and different, so you mm-hmm. get that kind of sense of, like, this is this is definitely an alternate space where you've got different ideas going on, and they can take this kind of template of, like, yeah, it looks cool to have these villain guys on motorbikes, but we're going to have them look different, and they kind of, even though you can tell it's different, and it's definitely not that kind of ancient civilization thing, it's it's still modern but in a way that is very uh
0: very different for this and suited to the world that it's in it's a fun sort of fantasy sandbox and i, I like the just uh juxtaposition of some of the like the action scenes themselves so you'll have those floaty whoosh, wirework sequences where it's all beautiful and elegant and sort of acrobatic but then that'll be juxtaposed against like the the hand-to-hand combat stuff in yeah the, like downright muddy earthy like leaf covered woods physical punches and kicks and swings and then you'll have a character who's introduced with guns and motorbikes and it just sort of comes to head in like this this absolutely chaotic battle towards the end there
1: yeah you get something you get a little bit of everything and you know, there's even those those kind of down to earth like hand to hand combat sequences do feel very Acrobatic. You've got a whole sequence where there's a character that's got blades on their shoes and there's kind mm-hmm. of like a breakdance fight kind of a thing where uh-huh. it's just like there's there's always new ideas being introduced and it feels like every new fight sequence
0: is like a totally new idea with
1: a different weapons or different styles. And it's very
0: creative throughout. And what roots this firmly in the, the mid-2000s for me is the the raucous soundtrack that i'd completely forgotten about it's a mixture between real like mid-2000s uh like hard rock music almost fake metallica i've written in my notes yeah (laughs) like the opening movie starts with a fake metallica song you can't change my mind on that but then it'll move into more sort of like dancey almost like liquid drum and bass soundscapes to like accent all the action and the momentum of the edit yeah it's very high bpm kind of thrash
1: metal Mm -hmm. and just like crazy chaotic music it definitely does feel very 2000s in that way but it's it's kind of in that way that's endearing where like you're not you're not
0: mad about it it's like yeah this is this is of its time but it's enjoyable in that way yeah it feels of this world you know if you 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 can't tell me there's a a fantasy landscape that exists with motorbikes and guns and swordplay (laughs) and if if the cherry on the top is like a raucous 2000 soundtrack, right. then why not? I mean, <laughs> what what other soundtrack would suit this better? If you d- if you played this full orchestral and uh, contemporary classical, it might feel a little a little juxtaposed with what you're actually seeing on screen, whereas- right? It's got that hell yeah manga adaptation attitude where it's so 2000s with the, the sort of boisterous levels of weaponry on screen that it's just reinforced by the sounds of a Kerrang! magazine or a flipping through <laughs> right. TV channels late at night. <laughs> yeah, it it seems like it's kind of out of place with
1: each other, but in terms of the, the stylization of kind of that particular brand of the, the cartoonishness of it and also the sort of um of its time stuff that it brings into it it feels very it meshes all together very well it's it's fun in that in that kind of 2000s way in terms of the performers so the this the star is uh tak sakaguchi who is a Japanese um, action star? I don't know if you're more—you're probably more familiar
0: with him than I am. He—he um, um, he pops up in all three of of the movies I mentioned earlier, including okay. *Versus*. Actually, he's in *Versus*. He's the the titular Musashi in *Crazy Samurai Musashi*. I believe he plays the main in *Reborn* as well. But he pops up in in loads of stuff. He's been in like real sort of uh, <laughs> Japanese cult um yeah. cinema classics like T- tokyo gore police and mutant girl squad <laughs> that sort of ilk but then yeah. he'll he'll work with sin sono uh in why don't you play in hell and uh was, what's that nick cage one oh prisoners of the Ghostland. yes I, don't, I haven't seen that one but i know he's in that in some capacity but um he's he's a fun leading man i i like him as a as an action sort of presence yeah I mean, I see he's in um,
1: Godzilla: Final Wars as well, which I need to rewatch because I don't remember him. But I, I mean, also watched it at like, what was it, probably uh, very, six a.m. after a twenty-four hour marathon or something. Yeah, so. well, Godzilla: <laughs>
0: Final Wars is just a different beast in its t- in its own because you think it's going to be a kaiju romp battle, but it's actually mainly a martial arts like mutant super soldier. <laughs> That's fighting a weird movie. One, yeah. That is a weird one. So it does not surprise me in the slightest that he's in that movie in some capacity. Couldn't tell you who he played he's definitely not godzilla
1: but (laughs) well what definitely kind of caught me off guard watching this was so he the the kind of the secondary protagonist is played by kentaro seagal which Mm -hmm. is of course steven seagal's son oh um, wow which is awful (laughs) always strange to me when i see his children popping up in movies because oh, yeah, are... his
0: daughter's his daughter's in <laughs> yeah. something as she in like the Gamma movies or something yeah his Gamera his movies?
1: daughter um ayako fujitani she's in the heisei Gamma movies That's all three of it. them and then she's also the
0: star of ritual which always throws oh, me off guard wow yeah man like you just do not feel that they are related to steven seagal no not at all (laughs) they're so far removed and listener don't even fret one day we will cover some sort of seagal on this podcast oh i'm sure we'll get there i don't know how much vaughn has seen in terms of (laughs) not much i've seen a couple but that's already way too many but there are some interesting movies to discuss in that man's filmography
1: (laughs) i look forward to when we get there Um, but yeah that that always catches me off guard when i when i spot some of his kids and
0: things Uh, they're they're all much more talented than he is (laughs) i would say so as well yeah so yeah the the sort of spookily dressed forest as we mentioned earlier the the production design in there is really good and that leads into a really like creepy sinister sequence of like I think our main character Grave has sort of fallen and he's having this sort of like fever dream sort of nightmare and it's like these spooky stop motion dolls in this dream oh, sequence. Oh yeah, there's I don't a lot of this, but
1: yeah, there's a lot of kind of inserted kind of like spiritualism stuff mm-hmm. uh, kind of throughout um, woven into it that kind of ties into the the sort of apocalyptic stuff that gets it, that gets to it at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um yeah there's some really cool sequences there that also are are part of that kind of really interesting and unique production design um there's like that cool temple at the beginning that's got the chains all over Mm -hmm. it is very cool as well there's lots of just cool touches like that that are kind of woven through it there's like a spider's
0: web nestled like massive spider web in the in the forest yeah And they're all darting around and dancing through it and dancing around it while they're fighting. There's there's a lot in this movie, but there are moments of, as we said earlier, just like massive expository breaks, real sort of pauses in the action. I yeah. remember it vividly of being quite a constant through line of just basically being through the woods. But there are a lot of like slower more sort of talky moments which you know yeah sure you can't just have a a 90 minute movie of nothing but action right because then you'll get crazy samurai musashi and you'll have to find (laughs) your own breaks in there anyway and that feels i don't know which ones feel more naturalistic or which ones work better pace wise but i i like that they um shimamura has these two different approaches with his films
1: Yeah, it's hard to to strike the the right balance of overdoing the action or overdoing the exposition. There's Mm -hmm. definitely scenes here. There's sequences where they're just kind of sat at a bar drinking kind of like in a Western saloon kind of way. And it just like kind of keeps going and going and you're like all right i've i've kind of gotten the idea here and Mm it's i'm I'm ready
0: to to move on to the next thing i think there's only so much of the the expository information you can absorb before you start to sort of glaze over and just sort of want the movie to move forward a bit more yeah i feel like kind of the the main note that
1: i took away from this was like it it feels like it's a a huge setup to something that doesn't exist like Mm -hmm. especially the final act it's like this whole buildup, and it's kind of leads to this big triumphant kind of explosive moment and then it ends and you're like oh well now i kind of would rather watch the movie that comes after this where you've got the the characters have kind of ascended into a new space and there seems like there's more interesting ideas that can be explored there like now i've got the groundwork now what what am i going to see next i want to see more yeah, maybe that's
0: like another volume, another arc of the manga. Right. I don't know. I don't know how uh, how long the, uh, the manga rang for originally. But yeah, to condense something like that down to a 90-minute movie, if it is like episodic and arc based, then you do have that moment at the end where you're like, I wonder what these characters are gonna do next, what's gonna happen here, and we're not gonna get a death trance too, I don't think. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm sure we won't, but yeah, it was a little bit of a, a bummer getting to the end and being like, Oh, I wanna I really would like to I think I'd rather see what, what comes mm-hmm. next.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I still have a lot of fun with this movie, just with those moments where it does shine for me and just sort of the bombastic nature of this um melding part of different ideas and maybe things that should be left to manga. I don't know how well it all translates to live action storytelling, especially with the expository dumps. But when you've got movies with bazookas and wire work and motorcycles, I'm at least going to sort of end up thumbs thumbs up on it in general. Yeah. Yeah, I did like it quite a bit. I don't think I like it quite as
1: much as you, yeah. but um, I do like it a lot. It's always fun. I think it's easy to kind of dismiss a lot of the the live action comic stuff because it's it's really hard to get that stuff right. And I think a lot of the more often than not, it does kind of fail and it feels like it's not doing what it should be doing. but, um, this definitely leans into the comic book stuff in the right way, and it feels very earnest, and it is the the kind of comic
0: book adaptation that I like seeing yeah i don't know how direct it is as an adaptation but yeah. as a piece of hey you need to check this out action movie um i think it's quite a bit of fun um it is a lot of fun so anything final to say on death trans
1: no i don't think i
0: have anything else i I feel bad that we missed
1: uh this releasing this for the end of January, but for those who, who, who listen to our couple of <laughs> it is for those who listen to our couple of Japanuary episodes thank you for for tuning in and thank you for joining into the to ben's Japanuary fun yes
0: absolutely and i'll put a link to the japanese arts and culture uh, discord server in the the bio of this yeah, that'd be great. because uh, a lot of people have been joining that and we're talking a lot about japanese cinema and and manga and uh, tokusatsu stuff in general so if you've been a fan of the past couple of episodes of us talking japanese cinema then hey hop in there and you can find some more cool people to talk to as always you can find more writing from vaughn more podcasts from everyone involved on the twingeeks.com you can follow us in several different places including letterboxd twitter or x i'm never gonna remember it's called x um blue sky i'm not even gonna call it that um loads of different places and vaughn what are we gonna be covering on the next episode of throwdown
1: So now that we are out of Japanuary, clearly out of Japanuary, at this point I've got, I thought, what can I bring that is going to be just kind of a complete 180 from everything we've been talking about thus far? Thought, let's go for an absolute American classic, (laughs) more 2000s goodness. We've got "Shoot 'Em Up" from 2007, I believe. Yes, that sounds um, right to me.
0: Um, big fan of this movie. Very excited to revisit. Very excited to talk about it again. So tune in next week
1: for "Shoot 'Em Up," and we will see you next time. See you next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next time.